but we have to look after each other. We have to be sensitive to the Spirit as we move. And I want you to consider that too as we get started here today. Let's look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, your goodness abounds. And Lord, we trust you implicitly with your very presence. Lord, you are available anytime to provide instruction, comfort, grace, peace. We thank you that we can call on you anytime and you respond. We thank you even at 4 o'clock in the morning when you're restless. If we just pick up your word and start reading it, we know you're present. Lord, bless this church. Bless the members. Strengthen the members. Encourage the members. Encourage us as we come before you right now. We thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know when God is speaking to you? Now, that's not intended to be a difficult question, but it is one that you you can readily answer it and say, yes, I do know, or perhaps you can't. How do you know if you hear him? Is the communication clear? Consider that many people, there are a number of people, may be ignoring God altogether. If you choose to live your own way, God's going to eventually let you do just that. I want to give you a picture as for why I'm leading with this information in today's message. The recent election in Ohio involved adding abortion rights to the state constitution and approval of the recreational use of marijuana. According to the Ohio Secretary of State's website, about 49% half of registered voters participated in the election statewide. Both of those issues passed by 13-point margins. Pretty significant. The people have spoken and they want what they want. It's not hard to conclude that the election results are indicative of a society moving further and further away from God. Amen? By the way, this is not merely a political statement. I loathe making political statements. Because that is up to every individual. If they're earnestly seeking and praying for God's guidance. But it's more a statement about our society's moral decline. We're just spiraling. For many, living with decency seems to be less and less important. Now, for those of you who have, you know, social media, you know where I'm referring to. You know what I'm talking about. It's not hard to find. It's, it's right there in front of you in these weird videos, you know, or TikToks or whatever it is. I don't have TikTok, but you can see TikTok videos without even having it. 
And a lot of people just don't seem to care anymore. They don't. They don't care. Do what you want. Live the way you want to. So what about you? The world's point of view has deeply impacted many people in the church. We cannot allow the world to push believers in Jesus into a place of indifference. Indifference. Now, I'm not going to get on anybody's case about whether or not they voted in the last election because that is your choice to do that. But don't complain about something if you're not doing something. At the end of the day, Here's the deal. Some of us need to wake up. Some of us need to repent and ask God for forgiveness for our indifference. Being indifferent is not cool. Indifference reflects a form of being self-centered. Jesus does not want us to be self-centered. Please turn to Second Chronicles. Turn your Bibles electronic devices to Second Chronicles chapter seven. Let's look at verses fourteen and fifteen. I'm including verse fifteen. It's very important because many times when we look at this passage, we look at verse fourteen alone. But verse fifteen is contextually very important to see here too. Second Chronicles seven. Verse 14, we'll start there and read also verse 15. Now I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. For those of you who have your Bibles, the paper Bibles, electronic devices, follow along with your own version. And by the way, it's easy to have a Bible around today, amen? If you, don't, if you have a paper Bible, God bless you. If you have an iPhone with Bible software on it, God bless you. An iPad with software on it, God bless you. Keep your Bibles with you. There's no reason for anybody to come to church and not have access to a Bible and saying, oh, I don't have a Bible. Well, we have Bibles here too. We're trying to give away Bibles in the back. If you need a Bible, we have them. Thank you for allowing to me to say those things while I was allowing you to turn to the passage. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Notice how it says, if, the ultimate if-then statement, if my people would just Call on his name. Humble themselves. Pray and seek his face. Go after God. He's going to respond. Turn from your wicked ways. For those of you who don't think that you have wicked ways about you that need to be turned from, then John has some very choice words for you. You a lie.
Now look at verse 15. This is God's, these are God's words. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attended to the prayers offered in this place. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. That's exactly why we have a prayer ministry. That's why we're doing this. And if you want God to make an impact in your life, seek his face. Our mission as a church is to lift our hearts and minds to Jesus in prayer. He hears our earnest prayers. Amen? He hears our prayers. Even while the world chooses to live, as John notes, according to the world's viewpoint, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 5, we are to always draw upon the love of Jesus. Now flip over to 1 John chapter 4. Let's look at that passage, verse 4. 1 John 4, verse 4. For those of you who are interested, you know, we just did a Bible study on 1 John chapter 4 online. And it's really a good thing to stay close to the word all week long, not just on Sunday. Amen? Amen? Checking to see if you're paying attention. You need to be in the word every day. And we have helps that we provide to help you do just that. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, NIV version. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We live in the world, but we're not of the world because we trust in none other than Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit that dwells within you is much greater than what the world can do. It's more powerful it's more meaningful, it's more helpful. But that has to be the mindset of every believer and that we focus on those things daily. Because if we don't, we will render ourselves as being indifferent. Jesus has called us not to stay down in the dumps also, by the way. If you're down about something, we're not called to stay there. He wants us to get up, shake it off, and be lights in the world as we share of his goodness. Now drop down in 1 John chapter 4 to verse 21. Drop down to verse 21. 1 John 4, 21. And I'm going to show a key word here. 1 John 4, verse 21. And he has given us this command. Notice that? This command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Where do you think that comes from? We'll look at a passage later that tells you where that comes from. But we must love our brothers and sisters. That's a command. There are people all around us who need to hear about how much God loves them. Amen? They're all around us. It's not a big secret. It all begins with God's love. His love is the catalyst that drives his gospel 
around the world. The catalyst is love that drives his gospel all around the world. Please turn to John chapter 16 and let's look at verse 33. John 16, 33. John 16, verse 33. When we get down in the dumps, when we feel like there's no hope, we need to make sure that we're acknowledging who gives us hope. Verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Who's giving us this peace? Jesus. In this world you will have trouble. No kidding, right? We know that. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world for us. We can function, we can move in this world as long as we rely upon Jesus Christ. Once you rely upon your own power or ability, guess what? The trip, to trip, to trip, to stumble, bumble. It's not going to work. People need to hear about Jesus because he has already overcome the world. He has the victory. With this good news, we must share the good news. We must share the good news as we live and breathe. As we live and breathe, we must share the good news. That's on us to make sure it takes place. We must, from today going forward, participate in missional living. Missional living. Missional living. Now, for those of you who have never heard that term before, it's not a new term. It's been around for a little while. Tim Keller used to use this term as well, too. Timothy Keller. By definition, missional living is a Christian term that essentially describes living a missionary lifestyle. Well, let's elaborate on what that is. Being missional involves embracing the culture, the practices, and behaviors of the people in order to reach others for the gospel. Just like a missionary, international worker, as we call him here in the Alliance, goes over to another place, what do they have to do? Embrace the culture the practices and the behaviors of the people. They have to do the same thing. We need to do the same thing here. Missional living means living in this manner for us every day. Everywhere you go. It could be at home, entertaining guests, walking around the block on the street where you live, it could be at the grocery store or at a Target or a Walmart. It's not a plug for Target or Walmart, but you know what I mean. Or even when you're on vacation. Everywhere you are. In all instances, you have to become a part of the environment where you are. You're part of the environment. Your most familiar place, of course, for this practice is where you live where you put down your roots. It's your neighborhood. It's where your neighbors are. You have people all around you 
right where you live. How do we best reflect the love of God? It starts right in our own neighborhood. Remember when I mentioned where you got that passage from 1 John chapter 4 about loving your brother and sister? Turn to Matthew 22. Let's look at verses 36 to 40. This should be a very familiar passage for most of us. And for those of you where it's not a familiar passage, it needs to be a memory verse. Amen? Amen. Well, that was, you know, amen? That should be a memory verse. Because essentially, Jesus is going to be speaking to you about what the entire Bible represents when it comes to following his commands. And notice how he say commands. Matthew 20, 22, verses 36 to 40. Start with verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, the guy asking the question was trying to tra- trap Jesus into something or say something weird or whatever it was, but that's not really relevant here. Jesus answers, honestly. Verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The entire Bible that we read hangs on these two commandments from God as to how we are to live. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor. Jesus is reminding us how we can become less self-focused with our obedience to God's commands and allowing love to be the catalyst in our communication with our neighbors. Now I have a confession to make. Nothing weird, so chill out. I have a confession to make. Over my lifetime, I have lived in eight neighborhoods for a year or longer. Eight different neighborhoods. And while I was able to communicate with some next-door neighbors, I don't remember any of them. I don't remember the names. I, don't, I barely remember some of the faces. I didn't become truly missional until about three years ago when my lovely bride and I got out of the house and started walking in the neighborhood. Walking in the neighborhood. You know, during that time, you know, that time when we were walking around the neighborhood, right? Because you couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything, you were working from home. And so that we wouldn't turn into, well, at least I'll speak for myself, so I wouldn't turn into a fat tub of goo. It was time to go out and start walking in the neighborhood. Don't be so quick to say all right. Um, But now, because we started walking in the neighborhood, we now know a number of the neighbors by name and can lift them up in prayer. Only a handful of them have a relationship with Jesus. So we are intentional in keeping those those relationships and building on them. Living missionally means starting right where you live. In other words, you don't have any excuses. Start right where you live. Check in on your neighbors. 
take walks in the neighborhood and say hello to them when you see them. This is a great practice for those of you who are more inclined to keep to yourself. You hear people, well, I like to keep to myself. Well, I want to remind you of something. Jesus does not want you to keep to yourself. Amen? Amen? Jesus does not want you to keep to yourself. You might be inclined to want to keep to yourself. He wants you to pray for a little courage and get yourself out there. He wants you to be missional in a world that already likes to keep to itself. That's the world we live in. A lot of folks do want to keep to themselves, but he wants you to go beyond that. Now, I want to make sure that there's an understanding here for those of you who are not able to go out on your own and do things. Well, there's always people around you. Whether they're caring for you or whatever the reason is, just because you can't get out on your own doesn't mean you can't be missional. So I want to encourage you, because some of us go through seasons of life where we can't do stuff. Amen? But you still have people looking after you. You still have people coming around you. You can be missional towards them. And you can pray for them. Great thing about prayer, it's free. Doesn't cost a thing. Except your time and effort. We are to be missional in order to be a part of Jesus' mission for the world. His desire for all people from all walks of life worldwide is to be saved. That's what he wants. And that's what you should want. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, you will know his will. His will is for everybody to be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4 Because our God is a missional God. Our God's a missional God. Ralph Winter notes in his coursework, Perspectives on the World Christian Movement, God is a God of global purpose. He has already put in our hearts the longing to be a friend to a great God to somehow become a co-worker with him. A co-worker. Living in the dignity of a purpose larger than ourselves. We really want to serve God in the biggest way we know how. Perhaps you're still questioning your own purpose as you ponder being missional for Christ. No problem. Consider God's promise to Abraham. He revealed his purpose, which was personal and yet global. Turn to Genesis 17. We're going to look at a passage 1 to 7, Genesis 17. Now, in this particular passage, I'm going to read the NLT version. And the reason why I'm going to read the NLT version is because it actually uses a name of God in this particular passage. And it reminds me that we may very well go through and do the Names of God seminar again that we did before. Um, It's well worth the time. Verse 1, Genesis 17. Follow along in your version, please. When Abram was 99 years old. Now look look at the age here. These ages are very specific and they're for us to see because we need to know that what we call old now, you cannot use that as a crutch. Amen? 
You know, you can tell me, watch out now all you want to. I'm just telling you, you can't use it as a crutch. You can't use it as a crutch. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. The NLT uses descendants. Other versions use offspring. But I like the word descendants here because that's who they are. Verse 3, at this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. Remember I said about falling face down, prostrate? And when you hear the Lord speaking sometimes, sometimes you just want to just, blah, that's it. Verse 4, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, which literally means father of all nations. For you will be the father of many nations, like I just said. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Verse 7, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Abraham was chosen by God because God was keenly aware of the heart that Abraham had for him. We find that in Genesis 15:6. The reason that Abraham was given so much began with how much he believed in God. Plain and simple. Abraham loved God because we were reminded that he was declared righteous by God and he was given his life purpose by God. He had a purpose. He was being called out to go into the world. Called out from where he was to go into the world. A global mission. You are called out of the world as well. Did you know that? You're called out of the world too. The Greek word for called out is ecclesia. E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. Spelled in English. And of course that also means assembly. We're assembling. We're called out. It's synonymous with the body of believers that gather in the church. Missional people are called by God to move and proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ in the same manner as those very people that we support and send out on the mission field. You are to behave in exactly the same way. We do this on a regular basis. That's what the Alliance does. We send people out, but you go out too. And we go out in the strength of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because certainly if we try to do this on our own, it wouldn't work. It's good to have a purpose. It's good to know that God loves you so much, he trusts you with this purpose. In the book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren notes that the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. 
is far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. The words that Rick Warren uses here should not be discounted in spite of what's been happening with him lately. Because what he says here is true. You have a purpose. And missional living is all about relationships. You can't rush this process. It takes time. And not everybody that you come in contact with has a lot of time to do it. Let alone cares for you to do it. But that's okay. You don't worry about that. You just do it anyway. Always remember that God's timing and building relationships is all that matters. He knows the hearts of all people involved. Turn to Ecclesiastes 3. Let's look at verse 1. We've covered this passage before, and we recognize that the association did a song one day, one time back in the day, turn, 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 and they basically use the lyrics. They take this passage and put it in the lyrics of the song. But Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, so it should be familiar to some of you, well, some of you. I don't know how you know, the association was back in the day, I guess. But For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And yes, our efforts to make relationships may take years. So here's what you do. Get a journal and write down the names of the people that you make acquaintance with. Write them down. Goodness knows I should do it. To journal it. Be patient while God works through you as it stays in prayer. You keep those people in prayer. You make a note of your neighbors, write them down, and pray over them. I thank my lovely bride because she has an eidetic memory. What a wonderful gift that is because... I have to depend on her probably to take care of me when I get older. She remembers everything. So I've got to watch what I do, too. Amen. Go to Romans 12, verse 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. While we're waiting, Jesus reminds us that we don't need to be stagnant or it stay indifferent in anything, he encourages us. Romans 12.12 is an encouraging passage. Verse 12, Romans 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. That is the believer's lifestyle in a sentence. Because we're still living joy in spite of tribulation, and we have to be patient through it. And pray without ceasing. 
one more passage, Galatians 6, 9. I'll just read it to you. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up. The key word there, don't give up. You've got to be patient. Don't get tired of doing what's right. You know how to do what's right, amen? You know what it is to do right, amen? Don't get tired of doing what's right. Don't give up. Be patient. Hey, Jesus is coming soon. He's coming back soon. And we have to be patient even awaiting that, but we need to be active while he's imminently going to return. It's time to get out of your comfort zone. Put yourself out there. Say hello to complete strangers. Talk to your neighbors. Engage with your coworkers, those of you who are still in the workforce. Hey, even your CEO. Schedule meetings for coffee or lunch. It's real simple stuff to do, isn't it? Put effort into your relationships to do what? Make friendships. You're trying to make friendships. You're not going to be with a friend with everybody you meet. But there are people that you're going to click with. Make friendships. Now, there's more reasons to live missionally. Making friends may be more difficult as you get older. It may be. I don't know if it is or not. Some of you can make friends at the drop of a hat. I got somebody that I know from a long time ago. She knows hundreds of people <laughs> because she just gets along with everybody. I'll even, Andrene, if you're listening. But the bottom line is that she knows a ton of people. You know why? She's friendly. She's likable. She knows how to talk to people. People know who she is, and she makes a good impression. She sings in her church. Great voice, too. But some of us may have trouble making friends, but there's going to be health benefits within good relationships. Did you know that the more you make friends, you have a better immune function? You have a decreased risk of illness, a decreased risk of injury. Now, goodness knows, I, you know, roller skating, I, I probably take a risk every time I go out there, but, but I, I managed to stay on my feet. <laughs> and there are things that you can't do today, honestly, that you used to be able to do, right? Back in the day when I was roller skating, I could drop on one leg, get up, turn around, turn backwards, and drop again. If I tried that right now, I'd be in traction. <laughs> but you just keep moving, amen? <laughs> but this friendship thing talks about increased longevity and reduced stress. Friends are good for that. You can bounce stuff off of a friend. Go to 3 John. 3 John. Now, don't ask what chapter, because there's only one chapter in 3 John. Amen? So for those of you, if you have to ask me what chapter, look out. we got a problem. But 3 John, 
Verse 2. The proper way to write that would be 3 John 1, verse 2, but there's only one chapter. 3 John, verse 2. Look at what it says here. Now, this is part of a greeting, obviously, in the letter, right? But the passage has applicability here. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. Good health. As it goes well with your soul. And the reason why we're missional, we are developing relationships, but we're also developing friendships. Because it's good. It's good. It's good to do. Living missionally glorifies God while enhancing your health and well-being. And it means a great deal to others as you engage them and spend time with them. How often we heard about people who, nobody comes to see me. Nobody spends time with me. Well, that's terrible. You know, when I go to the uh, assisted living facility in Cleveland Heights, some of the people that I have Bible study with, they don't see their families. terrible. They look forward to anybody coming in and talking to them. Now that we have discussed that we have a purpose as we live missionally for Jesus, he reassures us with his daily presence with what? The power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. His love for us reminds us that we will never live as orphans. His words of hope are fulfilled by the presence of the Spirit. John 14, 18 talks about the presence of the Spirit. The Greek word orphanus, O-R-P-H-A-N-O-U-S, that's orphan with an O-U-S on the end, basically, means fatherless children. Fatherless children, just like the word orphan means you don't have parents. In ancient biblical culture, Orphans and widows were extremely vulnerable and could not care for themselves. So as a result, God made sure that they would come under his divine protection. That's in Jeremiah 49.11. But God promised to take care of the widows and the orphans. He challenges others around him, the men, to also care for them as well, too. God has a heart for his people, and the manifestation of Jesus Christ is the culmination of his mission. He entrusts his followers to go and make disciples all over the world in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them what I have taught you. That's Jesus speaking. Where does that come from? The Great Commission. Matthew 28. Verses 19 and 20. That's what we're to do. That's a command. But the Spirit gives us what we need to fulfill that command. Missional living is selfless living. Selfless living. It requires a love of God and loving others as Jesus loves them. Do you love others the way Jesus loves you? Amen? Think about it. This world will try to make your love grow cold. 
With this combination of loving God and loving others, we make a very compelling argument for having a relationship with Jesus. Because when we speak to people, they need to see the love of Jesus. Go to 1 John chapter 4. Let's go back to 1 John 4. Let's look at verse, the first part of verse 6, and then we're going to look at verse 7. 1 John 4, verse 6. The first part of verse, verse 6. Now understand something. This is what the Spirit does as you interact with other people. First part of verse 6, but we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. Those who have a desire to know God, those who have a heart for God, they hear, they listen. Drop to verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's God's will for everyone to receive his goodness through salvation in Jesus Christ. When I finally determined my life purpose in my relationship with Jesus, it gave me a new meaning to my faith and what I was striving to accomplish. Not for my own benefit, but for the benefit of the body of Christ and the purpose of winning people to Christ. I'm very thankful to be part of the CMA. The CMA gives us this very clear thing in their statement of faith. It's good to be on a good team. Not perfect, but a good team. Because none of us are perfect. But it's good to know that you're in a place where people have the same mindset. They want to see people be saved. A.B. Simpson's conviction to serve and be obedient to God was ever apparent in his message, service for the king. Because we are all servants, amen? We're servants. We're here to serve each other. He notes, A.B. Simpson notes, God calls every one of you to some special duty. Ooh, every one of you, huh? I mean that mission for him which is the very meaning of life and without which life will be a miserable mistake and prove a fraud at last and all the wishes and desires you spent on yourselves were lost and even you lost the thing you lived for, yourself. A life without Jesus is ultimately a very miserable life. And we're frankly trying to help folks to not live miserable lives. Understand something. You know, I'm just thinking about the election again. You know, we passed to legalize marijuana and make it recreational. And all that law is going to do is just create another bureaucracy in, in government. But think of the people going to vote. Yeah, man, that's what I want. 
miserable. A missional approach is far beyond living for oneself. A missional approach to life means that a believer loves God with obedience and reaches outside of his comfort zone or her comfort zone for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's any time and anywhere. Our world is declining daily. It's mired in apathy. Be the change in today's world to draw people to Jesus. Please take this very seriously. Be the change. Put down your phones and turn off your Netflix. Get up and get out. Spend time with the people that Jesus wants to reach. Take walks in your neighborhood. Commit to fellowship in and outside of the church. In the church and outside the church. Commit to fellowship. And remember the international workers who are serving overseas with prayer and support as you live missionally right here where you are. Take it to heart. Be in prayer. Stay in prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for how you truly give us what we need to know as far as our mission here on earth. We thank you, Lord, for giving us a reason and a purpose for living. We thank you for your presence. Lord, may we live missionally as we go about our business. Lord, may it start right in our own neighborhoods. May it start right with the people that we wake up with together. That indeed we are making sure that we are trusting in you as we go and allowing the Spirit to speak as we go and allowing ourselves to be the reflection of you in every encounter, every place, everywhere we go. Whatever we're doing, whether we're working in the yard or working outside somewhere. And Lord, the people that we see, may we have the mindset to lift every one of them in prayer and focus on you. Lord, we thank you for the purpose that you've given us to serve you. May we live missionally before you to others. We thank you. We give you the praise and all these things. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, I guess I... (laughs) They can come back now. (laughs) Take it to heart, everybody.